Stephen and I were together for 18 months before a diplomatic but difficult breakup. I probably should have seen it coming. Our relationship hadn't exactly started out on great footing. I'd spent nearly six months convincing him that we should be together, that we'd accomplish great things at each other's side. I went so far as to send him an email every couple months to reinforce my value as a potential partner. I guess I should have taken that as a sign. The relationship wasn't all bad. I learned a lot about myself, what I wanted, what I didn't, and I give Stephen a lot of credit for his role in advancing my career and connecting me with an incredibly valuable professional network. If those last two points strike you as odd things to take from a relationship, maybe it's about time I clarified that Stephen isn't a person, it's a company. If you're gonna let me down, let me down gently, don't pretend that you don't want me, I'll love in water under the bridge. Hello, hello everyone. This is Arden Elizabeth, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of It's the Wine Talking, your weekly dose of wit, wine, and occasional wisdom. In case Adele's tunes and my intro didn't clue you in, this week's topic, when ex-jabs are worse than ex-boyfriends. To get through tonight's emotional episode, I needed a whole box of wine. A reasonably pleasant Australian red, this carton is produced by Barry Estates. That's Barry with an I, because we like to keep it glassy. Now, where were we? Stephen and I broke up in 2014. It wasn't a picture-perfect breakup, what is, but I managed not to flip any tables or raise my voice, and I consider that a win. In our final weeks together... Words were said, feelings were hurt, and it became obvious that a clean break was the best solution for all parties involved. I handled it all pretty stoically, covering my grief, my disappointment, and my self-doubt with some well-developed sass and sarcasm shared with colleagues and friends who'd been front row for the tumultuous relationship. But even while in denial of my true feelings and gleefully eyeing the freedom before me, I knew better than to tell Stephen we could just be friends. Following my resignation, I was asked if I'd be interested in continuing on part-time. I said no. I needed a complete break before we could rekindle any friendship we'd once had. Over the last year and a half, I've moved on. In fact, I quickly found new, healthier professional relationships to replace the hole that Stephen had left. Our time together taught me to look for and demand more, and I took those high expectations in mind as I selected and rejected potential clients for my freelancing business. I've visited the office only once since leaving Stephen. Surprising, given how many great friends still worked there. But once was enough to realize I wasn't yet ready to face him. And then I left San Francisco. And then I moved to South America. And then I came to Asia. I couldn't be farther from Stephen. And yet... When my college boyfriend, we'll call him Joe, and I broke up in 2008, it was hard too. Joe was a great guy, but we weren't right for each other and had an equally tumultuous relationship, albeit in completely different ways. After two and a half years together, we ended things while I was on vacation with my family. It was mutual, but I pushed him to do the breaking up over the phone because I knew I couldn't bring myself to pull the ripcord. Fortunately, he obliged. Having been in a long-distance relationship for the majority of our time together, something I would not recommend... Unraveling our lives wasn't particularly challenging. 
I went back to school for my last semester of college. Joe continued to live his life in Florida. I defriended him on Facebook once he started dating a new girl. And we haven't seen each other since a month before our breakup, over seven years ago. We talked occasionally and amicably on the phone for the first two years, but we've since lost touch. I know he's married. I expect he has a child, or will soon. And I know that he lives in Atlanta, the city I thought we'd settle down in together a place that is now so far from my reality. Admittedly, I think I'll have a mini panic attack if I were to run into Joe again. But at the same time, I don't fear this eventual meetup or hope to avoid it. I look forward to being introduced to his family, sharing old memories, and looking into the eyes of someone I was completely head over heels in love with. But things are different with Steven. Unraveling our lives and relationship hasn't been so easy. As a successfully growing, industry-disruptive company, Stephen is everywhere, and he is not good at respecting my space, even when I live on the other side of the world. For starters, social media is the worst when you have an ex-job. When I unfriended and blocked Joe from my Facebook account, that was that. No more posts, no more reminders, no more photos. Not so with Stephen. Unfollowing his Facebook page prevents me from seeing his updates firsthand, but not the posts about him that our mutual friends share, proudly spreading the word about Stephen's latest accomplishments and conquests. And forget about even going on LinkedIn. Ironically, the only social media platform where I actually feel comfortable being connected with Joe is the place where Stephen haunts me the most. Logging in, I'm immediately facing announcements from the company. Current and past employees splattered across my newsfeed recently published articles written by or about current executives. And sure, I'm happy for Steven and his achievements, and maybe in some ways even a little proud. But I also wonder, why didn't this happen when he was with me? Why couldn't we have accomplished these things together? When you have an ex-job, really no corner of the internet is safe. I was minding my own business last week, searching for some funny clips on YouTube, when BAM! Guess who just released a sponsored video on BuzzFeed? And you know what? It was great, and funny, and I'm glad that it had almost 2 million views. But does Steven really need to be everywhere I go online? Things got even worse this week. Steven's upcoming television ad is making the rounds online. In posts, tweets, and messages from my friends. I've watched it several times. I can't stop myself. It's like some kind of sick torture not normally available to ex-girlfriends. Oh, and did I mention that this ad is for the Super Bowl? Is nothing sacred? Bet your ex-boyfriend won't appear on your TV for 30 seconds during the big game. Another reason ex-jobs are the worst. People feel okay asking about them. When people found out Joe and I broke up, I didn't have to say anything else about my ex-boyfriend. People asked if I wanted to talk about them, and I could easily avoid discussing our relationship, his merits, or the story behind our breakup. But when it comes to Steven, my achievements and professional identity are inevitably linked to my former employer. That means he's going to come up a lot in conversations with prospective employers, current clients, or even random people deciding if they want to work with him. I have to put Steven's name on my resume and LinkedIn profile, and I'm expected to bring him up in conversations about my work history, skills, and experience. 
When's the last time you were forced to discuss an ex-boyfriend in a job interview? And since I didn't leave the world of financial services after my breakup, part of my job for current clients is to pay close attention to Stephen, to review his website, content, advertising, and PR strategy, and form an opinion on what he's doing without taking any of my feelings into account. Oh, how strange it is for an ex to play such a pivotal role in a new relationship. Perhaps what I found most challenging about my ex-job is that no one gives you permission to grieve. Sure, you can be angry and resentful, annoyed and inconvenienced, or even pleased and grateful. But being sad, hurt, disappointed, even heartbroken? Well, it's just not discussed. No one warns you that breaking up with your job is hard to do. When Joe and I ended things, I was allowed, even encouraged, to cry and share my emotions. But in the case of Stephen, I took the universally accepted Gren and Barrett approach. I hid behind a curtain of facetiousness and ignored my feelings, quite honestly, until I started working on this podcast. For 18 months, I gave Stephen my blood, sweat, and tears, from early morning press releases to late nights dragging boxes of branded swag around the streets of New York, I was 100% committed. Stephen had free reign over my heart, mind, and soul, but it wasn't enough. And I'm finally ready to acknowledge that hurt a lot. And it's going to take some time before I'm really, if ever, over my ex-job. And that's it for this week's episode of It's the Wine Talking. You can tune in next Wednesday for your weekly dose of wit, wine, and occasional wisdom. If you need a little pick-me-up after this week's topic, head on over to YouTube and search for Baby Sloths Getting Baths. It's guaranteed to bring a smile to your face when they hang up those adorable little critters to dry. Unless, of course, your ex-job was at a sloth sanctuary, in which case, you have been warned. Thanks for listening. Cheers. <laughs>